Welcome to Foundation Christian Church. We're glad that you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit foundationcitrusheights.com. So, yeah, we're in Daniel chapter 5, and so far we've been going up to Daniel chapter 4, and we've been reading about Nebuchadnezzar. And so last week we were hearing about Nebuchadnezzar and how he kind of went crazy and off the deep end, he was eating grass like an ox or a cow or whatever out in the field was due. Then he come, comes to his senses. He comes back and, and God restores him. Well, this week we're in Daniel chapter 5, and we open up to Daniel chapter 5, and the first thing we read is King Belshazzar. Who's King Belshazzar? Well, he gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. So anyway, who is Belshazzar and what happened in the meantime? Well, just to give you a little background, this takes place 23 years after Nebuchadnezzar dies. So there's a big, long amount of time in there. And during that time, there's been um, three other kings. One, by the way, my apologies, we're, today's message is about the writing on the wall. The PowerPoint's not working, the projector, so we're, we're not going to have the writing on the wall. <laughs> so I'm going to have to try to model what Christ did on the Sermon on the Mount. He didn't have PowerPoint. So I'm going to try to do what Christ did without a PowerPoint. I'd love to have it. But anyway, so anyway, I got, um, we'll, we'll proceed. So um, there was, uh, after King Nebuchadnezzar, there was another king that ruled for two years, another king who ruled for four years, and then they appointed a kid to be king. He ruled for nine months. They determined that he was not fit. Well, one of the kings before him, the one who ruled for four years, got assassinated. This kid got assassinated. So when we look at our American political system, we see how we, the way we assassinate our leaders is, is in the press. We don't actually kill them. So, but that, back then, they actually killed them to get the next guy in office. So at least our political system is better than theirs. Uh, at least if you're a king, you don't want to be killed. So anyway, um, the next guy who comes along is, uh, I can't pronounce his name. But anyway, he ruled, and <laughs> he, he ruled, and, and he, he ruled for a few years, and he did not like being ruler. He did not like, like being the king. So he appoints his son, Belshazzar, to be second in command, and he takes off to Arabia, leaves his wife behind. And so the queen is still there in, uh, in um, I'm seeing, getting the names mixed up, in, what? Babylon. Babylon. I'm seeing the name Belshazzar. I'm going B, Belshazzar. No, Babylon. So forgive me. So anyway, he's, she's still there, and so we see that, that Belshazzar is number two. So that's going to play into the story a little bit later as we see what happens. So Belshazzar is number two, but he's playing the role as king. So, but he is the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, we're going to read that he refers to his father Nebuchadnezzar. Well, he's not his father, he's his grandfather. But why would he call him his father? Well, ancient, his, historically ancient tradition is you refer to your ancestors as father. And how many, now I'm not approved to be on the music team. There's a good reason for that. But I'm going to lead you in a song. It goes... Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. You guys are doing great. Uh, maybe Melissa will have you on next week. I don't know. But anyway, um, 
we often talk about the father of our nation as being George Washington. Well, I do have some genealogy in my family. George Washington's not listed there. But he's still the father of our nation. And so um, when he says Nebuchadnezzar was his father, it, he's referring ancestry-wise. So anyway, but during this time, the Medes and the Persians were, were raging war on, on Babylon, and they had the city surrounded. Now the city had a big fortress. Their, their walls were like uh, nine, 22 feet thick and 90 feet tall. That's a big wall. They didn't have drones, they didn't have rockets, they didn't have airplanes. So if you want to penetrate a city with, with 22-foot walls, you're going to have a hard time getting through. Now, I've been in Jerusalem, and I've seen the walls around Jerusalem, and they're thick, but they're not 22 feet thick. And they're not 90 feet tall. And so he decides that we go back to verse 1, that King Belshazzar gave a great feast for a thousand of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. They're having this party while their city was surrounded on the outside. He was like, I have nothing to worry about. Man, we got it good in here. We have lots of food. We have a lot of protection. That's party. And so, <laughs> I heard that laugh. So Belshazzar was drinking his wine. He gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, his wives and his concubines, he would not, be, he would not qualify to be on an elder's board. We had to have only just one wife. So he's, he's not, he doesn't quite cut it there. Um, and they might drink for them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God at, in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank for them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Now, who is the gold of silver? Who's, and who's the god of silver? Who's the god of gold? Who's the god of wood? Well, actually, there is no god of wood. The god doesn't exist. He exists in our mind. On one hand, there is no god. But on the other hand, we need to be careful because there are a lot of gods out there. Anything I put before God becomes my god. If I really want a good, thick checking account, which I don't have, uh, that could be my God. If I want to be successful in my work, that could be my God. If I have a, a car I really want to fix up, I spend all my time fixing up the nicest car. My dad, I tried to talk about my dad when I was in high school, buying me a Model A. Oh, he, he kind of wanted to, he said no. Well, who knows? That could become my God, fixing up this antique car. We need to be careful we don't have other gods. But they had... All these gods, they're, they're praising the gods that did not exist over, over the God who does exist. And so, when, they're, they're, when they brought in these goblets, they were mocking the true God. Now, talk, I don't think God likes being mocked. That's how I checked. He does, that doesn't go over good with him. He wants our attention. He wants our love. He wants a fellowship with us. He doesn't like being mocked because when we mock God, we're saying, God, I don't care about you. I'm, I'm controlling my life. I'm God of my life. And I can do what I want. And I can worship who I want. I don't have to be dependent upon the God of the universe. So, suddenly, in verse 5, 
the fingers of a human hand appeared and rolled on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. Now, there was one other place in history where a finger of God was seen writing. That's when God wrote the Ten Commandments. And here he's writing on the wall. He's writing something up there, but Belshazzar doesn't know what it is. But there's something up there. And so he starts trembling, and his face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs began weak, and his knees were knocking. Now, apparently, Belshazzar had a conscience. How do we know that? Well, he doesn't know what it says. The, who knows? The words of the walk have been, Party on! He knew he was guilty. He knew something was there because sometimes when something happens, we go, why is God doing this to me? Or what is, you know, we, we have a sense we know that we are doing something wrong. It's a conscience. Now, our conscience is often seared. Sometimes we block out our conscience. Sometimes sin can be blinding to us. We don't realize we're sinning or we don't want to know that we're sinning. But there's something there that tells us something's wrong. And so when he sees it right on the wall, he doesn't know what it says, he gets very, very scared. And so he, and, um, and the king summoned the enchanters, the astrologers, the diviners. They said to these wise men, I like the word these wise men, of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and will have a gold chain placed around his neck and he'll be made third highest ruler of all the kingdom. Well, he's going to be made the third highest ruler means he's going to become really number two because number one is off in Arabia ignoring the whole place. And so he's given him, he's enticing them with wealth and power. He's enticing them with things and position. But he's scared. He's really scared. Now, it's interesting. He called upon the, the magicians, the sorcerers. And one thing we have in this world is a lot of religions. There's something within us that is religious or a spiritual. And, and, and so we have a lot of different religions around the world, and people try to find God. And religion is man's attempt to reach up to God. And we can do that many, 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 many different ways. I know. I work with them. I work in the prison system and I'm over the religious program. And we have a lot of religions out there. Ever heard about the Jedi religion? We have it. Um, seriously, we do. Um, but religion in Christianity is really God reaching down to man. And I, I'm going to take a little little detour here, but of all the different religions I work with, we have what's called religious property. We have our kufi cap, our yarmulke, our tassels, our prayer beads, our prayer rugs, all this stuff. You know what Christians want? The Bible. That's the only thing the Christians in the prison system want is the Bible. And because this is how I get close to God. And when God wrote on the wall, that was the word of God. That's God's right. When God wrote the Ten Commandments, God wrote that. And what, have I ever seen the writing on the wall, except for the PowerPoint, not today? The, I have never seen God write on the wall. But God has written his word and has left with us. And we could, if we look in ancient history, we see the scrolls 
Dead Sea Scrolls. Then it got put into book format. We see the book format. And now we have what's called iPhones. And you can pull up the scripture anytime to uh, scroll through and find that scripture that you're looking for. And so we have the word of God available to us. So the king summoned these enchanters, astrologers, and diviners and said to them, I'm going to give you all this stuff, and I'm going to put you in a place of power and authority. The king's wise men came in, and they looked at him and they go, uh, I don't know what it says. Here's my chance of getting a gold chain, royal clothing, and become number two, in essence, number three in his kingdom. I can't read that. Now, either they're illiterate, or it was in a heavenly language. Uh, some, I did some research, and some of the research said it was in Aramaic. Some said it might have been Hebrew. I wasn't there. And Aramaic and Hebrew, ancient Hebrew, were kind of related languages. And, of course, Daniel, he would have known Hebrew. So whether it was an earthly language or a heavenly language, God gave Daniel the revelation of what it is. The thing is that when they were baffled, the king Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale, and his nobles were baffled. The queen, now this, this is his mom, comes in, and hearing these words of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet. Now, she wasn't hanging out in the banquet. She wasn't partying there with everybody else. And she said, may the king live forever. Son, may the king live forever. That such, sounds such Good news. Now, he's not going to be alive there that evening, but he can at least live for the next three hours, maybe. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who had the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, and she was a daughter of Nebuchadnezzar, so she knew this more, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. Now, she doesn't really know about God, per se, but she knows there's something special about this guy. And when we live a life that's close to God, people notice us. Amen. And, and so they may think that we have a relationship with the spiritual world or whatever the case is, but they see there's something special about us. And she said, Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, pointed him to be chief of the magicians, enchanters, and astrologers, and diviners. He did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. For, call for Daniel, and, the, and he will tell you what the writing means. She spoke very confidently. He will tell you. Now, they had a call for Daniel. What that tells me is that Daniel wasn't hanging around that party either. And Daniel is a role model for us. Belshazzar could be a role model. I don't, be that, I don't want to follow his role model. But... Daniel is a role model for us. He was not hanging around at the party. Now, we live in the world, but we're not to be of the world. And sometimes we may want to, people may want to have us participate in their parties, in their sin, per se, and we can be a witness to them, but we're not to be part of the world in participating in their orgies and their drunkenness and all that stuff. That's not us. We're to be in the world, but not of the world, but we can be a witness to the world. And, and so they didn't call on Daniel until they got in trouble. And it's amazing. Sometimes people can mock God. I don't need any religion. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to do any of this stuff. And when something happens to them, who do they call? Sometimes they call us. Can you pray for me? 
I just got a test back to the doctor, or my so-and-so is leaving me, or what the case is, when they're stressed out, they come to us. The very same people that will mock God and mock religion come to us and say, will you pray for me? And it took 23 years in the time of Nebuchadnezzar to Belshazzar. And I'm not sure what Daniel's ministry was during the 23 years. He may be going through a long period of time. What's God doing with me? I don't know. But he was living a righteous life, and they called on him. And so Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, the one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? Kind of reminded him that he was a slave. I have heard of the spirit, the spirit of God is in you, and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. Now he's repeating everything his mom said. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretation to solve difficult problems. Now didn't he just say that? He said earlier, I have heard the Spirit of God is in you. Then he said, I have heard that you are able to give interpretations. He's nervous. And sometimes when people are nervous, they repeat themselves. Or they're not sure if you heard them, they repeat themselves. Sometimes when people... Because I call it talking, they keep repeating themselves. Now, sometimes they repeat themselves. Okay, you got the point. <laughs> so anyway, he was repeating himself. And to, and to solve difficult problems. And you can read the writing. Now, if, you can, if you can read the writing and tell me what it means, you'll be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you'll be made the third highest ruler in all the kingdom. Well, I'm sure D- Daniel was going, wow, I get to be... Second command. That's not Daniel. We serve the God of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Being ruler of a corrupt nation doesn't mean anything. So it just and all this stuff, you know, when I see someone walking around with a big gold chain, what are they trying to say? I see a person walking around with a big old chain and a big ring in their hand and so forth. Hey, look at me. I'm someone special. That means they're really empty inside because her, their identity is in their possessions. Our identity is in God. Amen. And so Daniel answers and says, you may keep your gifts for yourself or give them to someone else. I don't need that stuff. That's not who I am. That's not who I serve. Nevertheless, I'll read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. I, you know, I'm not going to take your possessions. That's, that's not why I'm after, but I'm going to help you out. So we help people out not because they're giving us something. We help them out because we are servants of the Most High God. And he says, your majesty, and he looks at that, he goes, I recognize the handwriting. It's the handwriting of God. It, that's what I believe he said, but doesn't say that. But anyway, he said, Your Majesty, <laughs> the Most High God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereign and greatness and glory and splendor. And a few verses down in verse 22, he says, But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Now, George Santana, can't pronounce it, Santayana, of 1853 to 1852, wrote, those who do not know history's mistakes are doomed to repeat them. He knew about this, that his father was humbled, but he was not going to humble himself. We need to be humble. There's nothing worse than a person who's proud. And our tendency is to be proud of ourselves, 
But nobody else likes us being proud of ourselves. And so, um, you know, he knew about his father's experience. Now, one thing I like to look tangent on, going back to Nebuchadnezzar, is there's a couple situations, the story of Daniel and the lion's den, and so forth and so on, where, where Nebuchadnezzar says, everybody has to serve the God of Daniel. The God of Daniel. But after Nebuchadnezzar went out and had my, went insane and came back, he referred to my God. So it's good to worship the God of the pastor, the God of your loved one who loves God, but it's more important we worship that God becomes our God. Amen. Nebuchadnezzar discovered that, and he came to worship his God, not just the God of Daniel. But Belshazzar didn't even know about this because he's too busy being proud. He did not humble himself. And so Daniel says, this is the inscription that was written, Mimi, Mini, Tickle, Parsin. Now, it's Arabic, Hebrew, whatever the case is. But he goes on and says, these are what the words mean. Mimi, God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Tickle, you have been weighed in the scales and found wanting. And perhaps your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Okay, so this is three words that are applicable to, ne- to Belshazzar. But are they also applicable to us? Now, last time I checked, I'm not king of, of, Nebuch- of Babylon. Um, never plan to be, and I can't be because the kingdom's not there anymore anyway. But, um, but let's go back to that. Mimi, God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Now, Sometimes we, you know, Hitler was going to have the, the thousand year Reich. He was going to have the Nazi nation empire for a thousand years. Now, that was what, 80 years ago he said that, 70 years ago, Nazi Germany came to an end. The Nazi empire did not last very long. Uh, Stalin was a, the founder of the Soviet Union, and they named a city after him, Stalingrad. In 1953, about they renamed it and took the name Stalin out of Stalingrad. So even the Soviets didn't allow the continuation of the name Stalin. Um, we looked at through history the, the British Empire was an empire in which the sun never set on the British Empire. Now they're an island in Northern Europe. We think we're a great country. We don't know what's going to happen in this country, but there's a lot of sin going on. And we may be doing a lot of good in this country, we're also doing a lot of sin. And God's not going to say, well, you're the United States of America. You're blessed. You know, if we keep sinning and putting our finger, giving our finger to God, he's not going to continue blessing us. So God has numbered our days. But take that personal. Now, I can guarantee you, this congregation is going to get a lot of new people during the next 50 years. It's going to lose a lot of people. Why? Because we die. 100 years from now, it's going to be all new people in this church. I'm not going to be here to see them. God has numbered our days. We only have so much time on this earth. How are we going to live our life? When we stand before the Lord on that great judgment day, he says, what did you do? Well, I watched a lot of TV. Boy, I watched one TV series. It was awesome. Another TV series, I didn't like it that much, so I stopped watching it. Okay, what else? Uh, Not much. What are we doing with our life? And so God has numbered the days 
of your reign and it's brought to an end. Now, later that evening, Balthazar is going to be dead. Is there a chance for him to repent? That seemed very definite. Now, God didn't really say it's going to come to an end tonight. He died that evening. But when uh, Jonah went to Nineveh, his message was, you guys are going to die. God's going to destroy you. And they repented, and God turned away from his wrath and saved them. Could the same thing have happened to Belshazzar? I believe so. Because the people, the Medes and Persians, were still outside the city at that point. They had not come in yet, and God could have very easily kept them from coming in and restored Belshazzar, because Belshazzar now knows that I am serving the God of Daniel, and I'm serving my God. He didn't do that. So, Mimi, our days are numbered. Now, our days are numbered. And God doesn't, doesn't mean we're going to die today. I mean, there's been numerous times in my life I should have been dead. I've had a number of illnesses. There's been a few close calls on the freeway. And God has spared me. Why? I don't know. Because God's grace. He spared me. And I have, my sister has passed away. And she lived an awesome life. But she died. I know that our, our, we don't know if I, I don't know if by the end of the day if I'm going to be alive or dead. I don't know. But in the meantime, while I'm alive, I need to live my life for God. While you're alive, you need to live your life for God. And God will give you the days that he wants you to live. And praise him in, for those days. Tico, the next word. You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. A scale. Too much, okay, sale. Sin. Boom, boom. boom. Righteousness. Well, it's not too much righteousness over here, and so more sin gets put on, the scale gets really <coughs> lopsided. You've been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Well, how are we weighed? Well, we, how are we weighed today? Well, I'm going to give you five different options from Scripture. First, we have the Ten Commandments. Do not worship any other god. Do not worship or make any idols. Do not misuse God's name. Keep the Sabbath holy. Uh, honor your father and mother, do not murder, do not commit, not commit adultery, do not steal, do not lie, do not covet. Well, these are works things. But God weighs us on what we do. And it's interesting when I, I've had people say when something goes bad, why, why is this happening to me? I keep the Ten Commandments. Okay. But what's that got to do with bad things happening? May or may not. But, but God judges us. He looks at our life and and while we're not saved by works, we're saved by grace, if still, if, we're, if, if I am committing some kind of sin, God is not pleased. My spouse won't be pleased. The church won't be pleased. You know, the pastoral staff will not be pleased if I'm sinning. And so, a scale gets tipped in the wrong direction. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales. There's also the law of love. Jesus replied in Matthew 22, 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, soul, with all your mind. So not only do we obey the Ten Commandments and not steal and kill and that stuff, we're to show the love of God, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and to love our neighbor and ourselves. So he weighs us on our ability to love. In 1 Peter 1.16 it says, Be holy, be holy as I am holy. Okay, how can I be holy like God? Last time I checked, I have a sin problem. 
For all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. I can ask us to raise hand. How many of you have a problem with sin? I won't do that because I know the result. Anyway, I'll raise two hands. Um, but the scripture says to be holy as he is holy, and yet I'm a sinful person. How can I do that? Jesus Christ. He intercedes for us. Because God remembers our sin, he also remembers to forget our sin. And I depend on that because I need his righteousness to make me righteous because I'm not righteous in and of myself. The sin of omission. In Matthew 25, I was, I was hungry, you did not feed me. I was thirsty, you did not give me anything to drink. I was naked, I was, and you didn't clothe me. I was, just, I was taken in prison, you didn't come to visit me. Well, I have to admit, it's very hard to obey the part about I was sick in prison, you came to me, I was naked, you clothed me. When you drive down and see all the homeless people here, you, it's impossible to feed all of them. It's impossible to clothe all of them. And there are times I feel like they're taking advantage of me, so I may not help them at all. There's other times I have helped them, but I struggle. Do I help them or not? And I'm, I'm afraid there are times I should have helped and I just ignore them because I'm in a hurry. I'm the, I'm the priest going down the wrong side of the, of the, of the one who's been hit on the side of the road in the um, Good Spiritual story. It's easy. The sin of omission. And it's also um, in one more, Luke 12, 48, much, much is required of us. But the one who does, Luke 12, 48, but the one who does not know and, and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with a few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been trusted much, much will be asked. We have lots of Bibles. And we give them out here at church. But we have a lot of, of, of we have a lot that's been given to us. We have the Word of God. We can see it on TV. We can see it on um, radio. We can, uh, we can, uh, we have a lot of resources. We have uh, access to medical help we can help people with. We have uh, access to a lot of food to help people out with. And so if we have a lot of stuff, we're supposed to help out. So there's a sin of omission. And so how do we handle all that? Well, again, it comes back to Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, it's interesting when... when... um, Daniel spoke with Belshazzar. He's saying, "Your pride. You did not honor God." He didn't say. He didn't come in there and say, oh, "I see you have a really drunken party here." And Belshazzar, you're drunk. And look at all these. You have wives. You have concubines. That's not good. You're having instead a big sex orgy going on here. You have all this stuff going on. He didn't go in there and and knock his drunkenness. He didn't talk about his, his, all of his hypocrisy and all of his, his evil things. See, I believe Alcoholics Anonymous, AA, is a good program. But if I talk to a person who's drunk, and I say, you've got you to stop being drunk, you've got to stop drinking, you've got to stop drinking, go to AA. And the person listens to me, he goes to AA, he stops drinking, he's, he says, I've been clean now for 10 years, he never accepts the Lord, we got a sober man going to hell. The thing that really changes a person is Jesus Christ. 
And so if I need that alcohol, I'm depressed, I need that alcohol to sober, help me out of my depression, to kind of get me through my problems, and I go to AA, and I stop drinking, I've been sober for five years, and, I'm, and I have this big problem, I'm going to drink it down. won't tell anybody, but I'm going to do it. But if I know I can rely upon God instead of the bottle, then God changes my life. Christ changes my life. And so what we do is we, we focus on the person's relationship with God. And then when they get a relationship with God, God helps them with the drinking. Now we can also say, now you're a Christian, that's great, go to AA. Or whatever. But we need to make sure we don't get caught in the secondary. And a lot of our stuff we do in the a lot of stuff Christians have been involved with politically have been secondary things. And they can be good things. But if we are not focusing on God, if we achieve all those good things, they're not good enough. Amen. We need to focus on God. Amen. So Belshazzar did not repent. He was judged and killed there that night. And it says, Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command... Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck. He didn't really want to be, they put it on his neck. He was proclaimed to be the third highest ruler in the kingdom. So Daniel got to be the third highest ruler in the kingdom, second highest really, and he got to be king for two, three hours maybe. <laughs> I don't think he was going around flaunting everybody. But it's interesting. When the Medes and the Persians came in, I'm sure they killed a lot of people there. They didn't kill Daniel. God spared Daniel, and God used Daniel with Cyrus, the king of the Medes and the Persians. It wasn't, Daniel's dedication was not to uh, um, Babylon. It was to God. And if we find ourselves in a situation where our company we work for gets bought out, or we find out that the California gets taken over by the Russians, or whatever the case is, we serve where we are at. And, and so, like Nineveh, Balshazar could have avoided judgment, but he did not. But like the Ninevites, if we are living a life that's not glorifying to God, we can avoid judgment. And maybe we're not the great king like Belshazzar or Nebuchadnezzar, but the message is there is I have seen, I have, seen, I have weighed you and found you wanting. And if, as I just say right now before we go to the announcement, if you know in your own life there's some area in your life that you're wanting, I don't know what that be. That's not in my business. But if you want to come up for prayer afterward, I'd be more than happy to pray with you because. Really, God wants us to be on a level scale. He doesn't want to be overloaded with sin. He doesn't want us weighed in the wrong direction. He wants Christ will tip the scale for us. Because we can't unload that sin, but he'll tip the scale for us and bring us back level and restore our mind, restore our spirit. So as we go to the announcements, and after announcements, I'm going to be available if any other elders also, if they want to be up here. I know we already had a time of prayer, and that's good but I'd be more than happy to pray with you afterwards. So turn over for announcements at this time.